This is Florida Matters, I'm Matthew Petty. Supervisors of elections have a lot on their plate this year. Florida's presidential preference primary will be held in March, but there's also a slew of municipal elections all the way up until November. In the meantime, elections officials are preparing to deal with a flood of new voters and changes to voting rules since the last presidential election. And besides keeping elections workers and voters safe, they're also confronting new threats like the potential influence of AI-driven misinformation. Today, we'll sit down with three supervisors in the greater Tampa Bay region to talk about what keeps them up at night and what you need to know as you prepare to vote this year. But first, Florida's presidential preference primary election is still more than a month away, but the options for Republican voters are dwindling fast, with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dropping out after the Iowa caucuses. NBC News senior national politics reporter Matt Dixon says Florida's presidential preference primary is not what Republican voters and DeSantis supporters were expecting after DeSantis won re-election as governor in a landslide. To watch it sort of collapse so quickly and spectacularly on the national stage is not something I, I had expected. Dixon writes about the feud between DeSantis and former President Trump in his book Swamp Monsters, Trump versus DeSantis, the greatest show on earth, or at least in Florida. And while former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley is still in the primary, Dixon says voters don't really have much of a choice. The decisions have functionally been made by the Republican Party that they know who their nominee is going to be. I think the thing that everyone should keep their eye on is how DeSantis sort of reasserts himself as governor. Is it going to be the same forceful guy we've seen with an eye towards 2028 or something different? I tend to think it's going to be the same guy we have seen, but that's uh, certainly not a set in stone environment. Meanwhile, the Florida Democratic Party scrapped their presidential primary and submitted only President Joe Biden's name for the ballot. You can hear more of my interview with Matt Dixon about what's next for DeSantis and this legislative session now he's abandoned his bid for the White House by subscribing to Florida Matters wherever you get your podcasts or by going to wusf.org slash podcast slash Florida dash matters. Turning now to our conversation with supervisors of elections in the greater Tampa Bay region. They're preparing for a slew of elections this year and new rules about voting by mail and the flood of new voters. Joining us for more is Craig Latimer. He's the Hillsborough County Supervisor of Elections. Thank you for being here, Craig. My pleasure. Also joining us by Zoom, Pinellas County Supervisor of Elections, Julie Marcus. Julie, thank you so much. Thank you. And Pasco County Supervisor of Elections, Brian Cawley. Brian, thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, Julie, I want to start with you. The presidential preference primary is March 19th, but you also have quite a few municipal elections to deal with in Bellia Beach, Clearwater, Gulfport, and that's just to name a few. I'm just wondering, kind of thinking about the way this Republican presidential preference primary is going, do you think that could have an impact on turnout for those municipal elections? Like, will people be motivated to get out and vote, uh, given what's happening on the kind of national stage? I've always believed that the phrase politics are local is real. And community elections, meaning municipal elections, they are going to drive out turnout, whether the presidential preference primary was there or not. So I think that Pinellas County voters are engaged. I think that they are interested in who's representing them locally. And we'll see potentially higher turnout in those municipalities than in others that may not have actual municipal elections. Going back to the presidential preference primary, if you want to participate as a Republican in that, you have to be a registered Republican. And the deadline to be a registered Republican, to change your party or to confirm that you are, is February 20th. Mm -hmm. 
and whether it's a special election or a regularly scheduled election, just get as much done as soon as possible and keep that information updated as we go along in the in the cycle. Craig, let me come to you. Uh, just thinking about some of those dates that people need to keep in mind for for the primary, for municipal elections, uh, early voting starts fairly soon for the presidential primary. Uh, when's the deadline to register to vote Just uh, or change your registration? Just remind us of that. Yeah, it's February 20th is the last day to be able to do that. But do it now. I mean, and Julie, Julie really hit it. Go to, go to the website of your supervisor, uh, minesvotehillsburg.gov. Look yourself up. One of the things that always surfaces in a presidential preference primary is we find people that thought they were registered in one party and it turns out they aren't. Mm. Uh, and, you know, they don't realize it because they're getting a ballot when it comes to the, the regular primary. And then in the general election, everybody gets the same ballot. Uh, so they don't realize that they might you know, be registered as an NPA instead of a Republican or a Democrat that how, they thought. How does that happen, though? How do you not know what party you registered with? Check the wrong box and then don't follow up. Don't look at your voter information card when you get it. Go on our website. Look yourself up. Make sure your address is correct. Make sure your name's correct and that you're registered in the party that you think you are. What are you seeing as far as people kind of doing that early homework and making sure their registrations are up to date? Like, are you seeing a flood of registrations this year? We're seeing activity. We're seeing a lot of activity. And uh, and also with that, too, is uh, remembering to request a vote-by-mail ballot if you want it because everybody's vote-by-mail ballot request expired in December of 22. Mm. Uh, so you have to request that new vote-by-mail ballot and furnish us with either a Florida driver's license, a Florida identification card, or the last four years social when you request it. But you can do that online also. Mm-hmm. Julie, Florida does get a, a lot of new arrivals to the state from other states or from other countries, um, and, and that number seems to be incre- increasing all the time. So what are some of those things that brand-new voters need to keep in mind? Either people who are just now of age to vote or, or brand-new arrivals to, say, Pinellas County. So there is a registration deadline in order to participate in an election that you're eligible to vote in. So in in Pinellas, we're looking at a Republican presidential preference primary, and then we have municipal elections. So if you are eligible to participate, first go to our website to see if you are, because our website, by checking your registration status, will tell you if you're eligible to vote in the upcoming election. Am I registered to vote? If I'm not, I need to be registered by February 20th. If I'm not with the political party I want to be with because Florida has a closed primary process, then I need to change my party and make sure it's done by February 20th. Florida is also a no excuse mail ballot state, which means that you don't have to have an excuse to vote by mail. Again, do I have a mail ballot request on file? If not, how do I check that? Go to my, my website, request a mail ballot. You don't have to leave your home to vote in Florida. You can have a ballot to mail to your home. Each of us on our websites, again, have a list of our early voting locations, and then you can vote on election day. Hmm. But there's there's many different laws because that's how the states work for an election laws. So if you come here, go to your supervisor's website, find out how the process works, picks up, pick up the phone, call us or at the office. We'll be happy to walk you through it. Education is key to making sure you have a smooth, positive voting experience. Craig. Yeah. And, you know, I, I encourage people all the time to go to our website. We've got a series of videos on there that tells you exactly what to expect if you come to vote in person, whether it's early vote or election day and vote by mail, the process that takes place. Uh, so, you know, we want to take the mystery out of it and have people feel comfortable when they show up. They know exactly what's going to happen. You know, they're going to be greeted. They're going to have to show identification. They're going to get a ballot and they're going to vote the ballot and then end up putting it in the tabulator themselves. Mm-hmm. So great videos out there. 
Craig, there have been some changes to Florida's election laws since the last presidential election. I mean, you mentioned kind of updating your information, like the, the time frame has narrowed quite significantly there, but there are also restrictions on ballot drop boxes. Uh, what does that mean for voters and, and what kind of outreach are, are you doing to help early voters navigate some of those changes? Yeah, so that's interesting because it didn't impact Hillsborough County at all because we only had drop boxes at early vote sites during early voting hours. The only difference is now it has to have somebody standing there with it, which we did before. But the new laws, you can only have uh, these, they're called secure ballot intake stations now, at uh, early vote sites during early voting hours and then at your offices. Uh, So I've got five offices in Hillsborough County, so we have uh, the secure ballot intake stations at each office also. Mm Mm-hmm. Brian, uh, another change, some more restrictions on third-party voter registration. I wonder what difference in your perspective that makes to voting. We haven't really seen much of an impact. There are there are groups out there that, of course, are you know, actively working to, uh, to register vote individuals, and, and that's wonderful. Some of the organizations, I believe the League of Women Voters comes to mind, where they're kind of adapting with, I guess one could argue, the law and the rules, but also technology, where they're literally... Uh, having, say, iPads or, or little tablets and, and individuals are you know, registering themselves using technology, which is a certainly a good thing. I'm always a bit, and Craig, certainly with his law enforcement background, could certainly speak to this. But, you know, if you're in a Walmart parking lot and you're filling out a form that has a lot of personally identifiable information and you're in essence giving it to a complete stranger in this day and age of identity theft, that's probably not the smartest thing. We work tirelessly to uh, have the legislature approve and implement online voter registration. And so you can go directly right to our website and, uh, and register yourself. That way you could avoid those issues. But we've not really seen much violations with the third-party voter registration organization law. So it's been not much of an impact up here in Pasco. Mm-hmm. Julie, just thinking, though, about the, the change to the fact that you now have to request a vote by mail ballot after each election cycle... Is that something that could trip some voters up if they're in the habit of voting by mail? And what are some of the things that might prevent you know, a vote-by-mail ballot from being counted? Things that people need to keep in mind if they are in the habit of voting by mail. Yeah, Pinellas County voters have kind of embraced mail ballots since 2008. This was a, is a big deal for Pinellas County voters. A lot of our voters did sign back up um, after the 2022 election cycle, but there are a lot of folks who didn't. So we need to make sure that voters are going to votepinellas.gov and checking their voter registration steps, and then to see if they have that mail ballot request. Because we'll be mailing ballots out about 35 days prior to the election. So if you don't get your ballot about a month before March 19th, pick up the phone and call us and wonder where your ballot is. Because if you wait, we may not be able to, one, mail it to you because you didn't request it on time, or we can't mail it to you because we, my law can't mail it to you because that deadline's passed. We probably have 150,000 people who don't have requests that did have them prior to 2022. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of folks who have them, but there's also a lot of folks who didn't sign um, back up and will want to participate by mail in the 2024 election cycle. I just wanted to ask as well about you know things that, that can sometimes stop a vote by mail ballot from being counted. For example, if, if the signature doesn't match, what is your advice there? The two main things are folks forget to sign the certificate return envelope. So under Florida law, the voter is the only person who can sign their certificate return envelope, the envelope that comes back to the supervisor of elections office with the ballot securely inside. And every one of those signatures is verified. 
So if you don't sign it, we have nothing to verify and we don't know if it's you or somebody else that had to return that ballot. The second thing that we see is the signatures don't match. So let's say that you traditionally sign with a signature and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it's printed. That signature obviously isn't going to match. And we would then question whether or not this ballot is yours. I mean, that's part of the integrity process of casting a ballot by mail. So in both of those cases, Florida law allows for what they call a cure process. So we will contact the voter um, by mail and other means, phone, email, text, so on and so forth, and notify you that you either didn't sign or there's a signature differ. And you have the opportunity to cure that by returning required documentation, an affidavit and a copy of your ID or other means. And if we receive that timely, which is uh, two days after the election, if all things meet the requirements under the law, your ballot can be accepted and counted. Craig, do you see a lot of signature mismatches? Because, I mean, people's signatures change over time, right? And there's obviously there's a difference of trying to sign something on an iPad or, or whatever and signing with a pen. So I'm imagining that there must be quite a few cases where you're like, that doesn't look like what it should. Yeah, there are, you know, ironically, there's not a lot. There's a, a good handful of them, that's for sure. In Hillsborough County, it's been in the hundreds. But the people also, you know, take the time to cure it. Now, I know the last presidential election, we had about 300 ballots that didn't get counted because they had signature differences and the voter never followed up with the affidavit that Julie's talking about and a copy of the identification. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things, and that's why we encourage people, you know, on the back of our envelope, we've got a space for you to put an email address, a phone number if you want, you know, where we can text you so that we can rapidly get in touch with you if there is an issue with your signature. But, you know, one of the most important things, too, is that that ballot has to be in the supervisor's office by 7 p.m. on election night, not postmarked. It has to be in the office. And I'm sure that uh, both Julie and Brian will attest that the day after and the day after the election, we get ballots that people threw in the mail on election day thinking it was going to get to our office in time, and it doesn't. Hmm. Brian, what are you seeing there? Do you get a flood of kind of last-minute ballots and where there might be a, a postmark before Election Day, but it just didn't get into your hands in time? Yeah, we do see that. And there's just so much. I think a lot of times it becomes politicized, vote by mail. You know, in Florida, Florida does it right. You know, it's in my opinion, we don't just send it out willy-nilly. You have to request it. You have to verify who you are with the last four of your social deal while, while requesting it. It's not affordable. Um, that's why we talked about earlier the importance of updating your address. Do it, do it today. Don't wait until Election Day, for example, uh, because when we send out our mass mailing of domestic vote-by-mail ballots, what I refer to them as trays of sadness. These are stacks of, of vote-by-mail ballots that we paid for as a taxpayer ourselves, and they're not affordable, so they have the little yellow stickers that came back from the USPS. Um, what what did you call the, them? Trays of sad? Trays of sadness, I've dubbed them years ago, <laughs> okay. because you just see a, a pile of votes that will never, you know, never get voted by the individuals, um, mm. you know, and they're trackable. You can sign up for an alert of, you know, when it's going out to you. Of course, you know when you get it. But when it comes back to us, you can get a text alert or email. And as, as Julie talked about, it's just so, and Craig, it's so easy to cure one that you didn't sign um, and, and one that the signature doesn't match. I confess myself, um, don't tell my elementary school teacher, but my penmanship has been lacking since the mid-70s. So if I sign a stack of letters, you look at my first signature versus the 180th, there's a discrepancy, full disclosure. Um, and I, and I, I love telling the story with his permission. I'm telling this um, chairman of the, the Florida Senate Ethics Elections Committee, Senator Burgess, 
Um, he lives in, in one of our municipalities. And uh, one of my staff came to me with his returned uh, vote by mail certificate envelope and said, we have a Houston, we have a problem. The signature in no way matched. And so I had the pleasure of reaching out to Senator Burgess and saying, uh, hey, we have an issue here. To which he replied in so many words, that's awesome. And I said, what do you mean? He said, that means the system works. I requested I voted it. You checked the signature. It was a discrepancy. And now I'm, I'm, I'm curing it. And he did. So if, it, if it's good enough for the chairman of E&E, it's good enough for any voter. I want to ask you, though, about that notion of you know Florida's election, because people do say that, that you know, the elections in Florida are run right, you know, they run correctly, and, and it's a, an example to other states. And yet, every year you see attempts to make kind of voting more difficult and to say, you know, vote by mail is somehow suspect. What do you think of that? I mean, is there a kind of a limit to, like, how much safer could you make voting by mail? I really don't know at this point how much safer you, you can make it, but, but to the larger the larger issue of uh, Florida, I believe Florida does it right, quite honestly. There's a few reasons, in my opinion. You know, we you have professional nonpartisan election administrators and our teams uh, that comprise, you know, tens of thousands of years of experience statewide. The fact that we use paper ballots for the last 16 years is just huge. I remember I, I was appointed in 2007, and within a few months, they were changing voting systems from the touchscreens to paper ballots. Voters were concerned of the cost. It's one of the best things we ever did. Uh, and we have safeguards in place. We can talk for hours about our in- internal process and procedures, our election security integrity with our security. And we, that's why I believe Florida really is, if I can borrow Governor DeSantis' line, we are the gold standard. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. We do it. And also, one last thing, our options. Um, we talk about, you know, I keep hitting on the fact that we have voters from, who come from other states where they maybe don't have early voting in person. They don't have no excuse vote by mail. You have to have an affidavit while you're going to have an absentee ballot, for example. So our three-legged stool of election day, early voting, and vote by mail lends itself to a really, really, really smooth process, in my opinion. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're talking with Hillsborough County Supervisor of Elections Craig Latimer, Pinellas County Supervisor of Elections Julie Marcus, and Pasco County Supervisor of Elections Brian Corley. Still to come, what keeps them up at night, including election security and the threat of AI-driven misinformation. Welcome back to Florida Matters, I'm Matthew Petty. We're talking with supervisors of elections in the greater Tampa Bay region as a busy and consequential election year gets underway. With us in studio, Hillsborough County's Craig Latimer, and joining us by Zoom, Pinellas County's Julie Marcus and Pasco County's Brian Corley. As they prepare for the presidential preference primary and a slew of elections all the way up to the presidential election in November, election supervisors are also dealing with security, making sure voters and poll workers are safe, and keeping an eye on new threats like the AI-generated robocalls that emerged in New Hampshire recently, adding to the drumbeat of election misinformation. Craig, I wanted to ask you uh, about kind of security of information, something that you know Brian brought up a little bit earlier, talking about maybe people signing over information and and not checking who they're giving that information to. But last year, about 58,000 voters in Hillsborough County were impacted by a data breach and had personal information stolen. So how concerned are you about the security of voters' information? And what what would you say to voters who may be worried because of that about the security of the information they're giving over to in in terms of voting? Yeah, so uh, cybersecurity is like front of the list. You know, that's the the point of the spear for all of us. And... uh, to say I was disheartened would be an understatement when I found out that we'd had a criminal entry into our system. Now, let me be very clear first off that it, they got into our file server and copied some files. 
uh, in there with some spreadsheets that had voter information on it because we were doing list maintenance. Uh, we immediately saw what was going on, shut it down, contained it, worked with law enforcement. It's currently an active investigation with the FBI. But most importantly is that there was no entry made into the voter registration system or the tabulation system. Those have additional uh, securities, redundancies. The tabulation system's not even connected to the Internet. It's what's called an air gap server. It's not connected to anything. Hmm. Uh, so there, there is a tremendous amount of security that goes in place uh, with every election, and it's constantly something that we're having to upgrade, too. Yeah. Brian, um, coming back to how information gets out there and sometimes misinformation, you famously swore off social media in 2020 because of what you saw as the spread of misinformation and disinformation on social media platforms. I wonder if your viewpoints changed at all. Is there any value in social media when it comes to sharing information about elections? You know, I grapple with that every day. Uh, I finally, you know, I, I guess, <laughs> full disclosure, I finally broke down and, and uh, opened up a personal Facebook account only because it was I got tired of borrowing my wife's phone to see what my kids were doing in other states. <laughs> so not proud of that. But with that said, civility is not a dirty word, and social media had really become what has been described to as a bathroom wall with spell check. And it's just frustrating where we would put something out innocuous to educate voters and inform them and have it get hijacked by partisan rancor back and forth that was served no purpose. So our office did start back up, but we're doing a little bit differently. We don't monitor it. We, we tell you on the very top, we don't have comments open. It's informational. If you want to reach out to us, we can have that discussion. Mm -hmm. And so far, that's worked pretty pretty well. Um, it's just frustrating because, as Clint Watts said, uh, who's an expert on this, former FBI agent, that the Internet brought us together, but social media is tearing us apart. And, and I, I know for, I have I know individuals in my personal life who, because of bickering on Facebook over politics, stop talking to each other. And these are family members. And that just really, really makes me a combination of sad and angry. So yeah. we're better than that. And so, uh, so far, the experiment of, of just having limited information out there to educate folks is working out well. Hopefully that, that doesn't change in the next few months. Yeah. I want to ask about security for elections uh, supervisors and staff too. Now, our partners at WFSU reported that Florida's election supervisors want the legislature to protect poll workers and election staff from public records requests. Leon County Supervisor of Elections Mark Early says he's received some troubling public records requests for the personal information of staff and volunteers. He's afraid with uh, the presidential election coming up that could expose them to threats, harassment or coercion. Julie, I wonder what your perspective is on that, and what are you hearing from your staff in Pinellas County? Is there any trepidation there at all? Florida has very broad public record laws, and it does include many details about public officials, staff that work in elections offices, so on and so forth. We do everything that we can with our local partners, uh, law enforcement partners, to do everything we can to protect our voters. But there are also, like you stated, there are laws that, that uh, we also have to follow where if someone makes a public records request for information that is not exempt or confidential, we, it, we must provide it. Uh, we do feel that we have a layered approach to not only cybersecurity, but physical security. I feel confident that we work very diligently to ensure that we protect our election workers and we do everything that we can to ensure their safety and the safety of our voters. Um, this is the voters process. 
I am relentless in the effort to make sure that we have successful elections and that folks don't feel intimidated, that folks are um, feel that they're, they're free and fair elections that are being conducted. And, and I feel that, I w- that we will be able to accomplish that in 2024. Mm-hmm. Craig. Yeah, I just wanted to add, I'm a member of uh, the Committee for Safe and Secure Elections, which is a national group uh, that's made up of top law enforcement officers and election officials around the country. And the main goal is to try and help coordinate a relationship between law enforcement and elections offices uh, so that there's an understanding and, you know, what the needs are out there, that they know where all polling sites are, and that they know what the election laws are that they are able to enforce. You know, I can tell you I'm retired from the sheriff's office. I spent 35 years there. And 20 years ago, if you'd have told me, called me out to a polling site and said they're harassing a voter, I wouldn't have known what to do. Hmm. Um, but that's the information that we're trying to coordinate with law enforcement, and that's in every county in the state, not just in Hillsborough County. So what, what do you do if, if you encounter that now? Yeah, so it's against the law. It's, it's a violation of law to harass a voter. Uh, so, yeah, and they, they know these things now. You know, we actually uh, produce a pocket guide that has all the relevant statutes in it around election law because mm-hmm. it's just something that law enforcement doesn't run into except for, you know, twice a year maybe or every two years. And what about your election staff? I mean, do you, do you get any kind of signs from them that they may be worried about these upcoming elections? You know, we, we try and be a little bit proactive in that area. And, and our staff knows that, you know, we've got a lot, as Julie said, there's a lot of physical um, barriers in place uh, that, you know, keep people from being exposed to things like that. Um, but uh, they, uh, you know, I think we're fortunate in Florida here, too. That's the one thing. You know, we've seen around the country, like uh, some of these states that have open carry laws, and they've had people with, you know, long arms strapped across their chest standing around uh, ballot drop boxes uh, or standing outside of elections offices hollering and screaming. You know, first off, we don't have open carry here, so mm-hmm. that's that's one big plus. Uh, and I can tell you right up front, on Election Day, I've got law enforcement, both Sheriff's Office and Tampa Police, in my office uh, on those days to uh, facilitate any rapid response that we may need. Yeah. I just wanted to ask uh, one more question, if I could, of you, Brian, and this is kind of on the, the social media sort of misinformation train. I mean, in up in New Hampshire recently, there were reports of an AI-generated robocall impersonating Joe Biden in New Hampshire. I'm, worried, I'm wondering if you are worried about the potential for AI to add an extra layer of disruption to upcoming elections in your county. Oh, it, it keeps me up at night, to be honest with you. Um, it's really not that difficult to do. Um, and it's not out of the realm of, of possibility. It's just a question of how probable it is. Uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a huge concern. That's why we keep reinforcing, as Julie said a few moments ago, you know, we're the trusted source. When in doubt, don't, don't read. It's not accurate just because you saw it on Facebook or Twitter. Call us. You know, I, I speak for every SOE in the state. You call us. We're going to personally call you back if you have a concern. Let us educate you. We don't have an agenda. We are we are nonpartisan professional election administrators, uh, and we're not going to we're not going to spin things or, or you know you, you give you propaganda. We're going to give you the truth in reality. So that's the biggest advice: is reach out and, and listen to your your SOE. We're elected by the citizens to represent all citizens, and we'll do just that. I want to thank you all for joining us. Craig Latimer is the Hillsborough County Supervisor of Elections. Craig, thank you. Absolutely. Pinellas County Supervisor of Elections, Julie Marcus. Julie, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And Pasco County Supervisor of Elections, Brian Corley. Brian, thanks. My pleasure. Thank you. 
That's our show for this week. Florida Matters executive producer is Grayson Doctor. Production assistance for this episode from Steve Newborn. Blake Bass was the engineer. Subscribe to Florida Matters wherever you get your podcasts. And we're at WUSF.org. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.